0: Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes.
1: Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR.
0: Hi, everyone. We are back once again for another episode of HR in 15. I'm your host, Eric Fudum, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. We are joined once again by our Washington, D.C. expert, the man in the myth and the legend, Malcolm Slay, principal <laughs> of Groom Law Group. Uh, Malcolm, if you remember last episode, we discussed uh, the general climate in Washington D.C. Um, Congress, you know, kind of taking a, a break when they probably shouldn't be, and not coming to any type of resolution between both parties. Uh, we also uh, talked about the executive orders as well that uh, President uh, Trump signed. What we're going to focus on today, I think, is important, just as important. Um, we're going to talk about the PPP Paycheck Protection Program. If uh, everyone remembers, on August fourth, um, the SBA came out with um, new FAQs to, you know, better to give better understanding to uh, borrowers and lenders um, that you know are in the process of potentially working through their loan forgiveness applications and and, and what that's going to look like. So. Um, I wanted to go through with Malcolm, a few of those questions and concepts that came up Um, some of it's review some of it's not, but I think uh, just a general understanding of where they're at will, will give you our listeners uh, a better, better focus. So, on that note, I got to say, Malcolm, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. It's good to be back. It it is good to be back. Um, I know that. Um, you're probably hitting your head every time you, uh, we talk about the climate in Washington, DC. So we'll, we'll take a little break today. How's that? And, uh, we'll focus on some substantive stuff that we can, uh, that's out there. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. All right, let's do it. So, um, one of the questions that came out was, you know, relatively, I guess, straightforward, but maybe not, but. If you're a, a sole proprietor or an independent contractor or self-employed individual, um, you have no employees. What, what form? should should you complete or what loan forgiveness application should you complete
1: yeah so this is um if folks remember uh a a couple of weeks ago treasury and sba came out with a easy loan forgiveness application form which uh you know we were thrilled to get that folks i think know the original application form was exceedingly complex and complicated and you really had to spend a few days reading the instructions trying to understand the rules the easy form is much shorter and simpler so in these faqs that came out at the beginning of the month uh treasury really wanted to drive home that they want sole proprietors independent contractors self-employed folks to use the easy form i think they're thinking is it's going to make everybody's life a lot easier uh borrowers lenders it's, they're going to get a lot less questions if those folks are are using those forms so, if you follow those categories, you definitely want to be using the easy form
0: and it's a really, as I said, straightforward form, uh, just enter information, um, you know, your, your payroll data, all that stuff in there. And boom, you're done now. Two things to note, there is a certification page on page 2, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay, so, so you've is- got to
1: certify you're actually eligible to use the easy form. Right? Um, but I think, you know, again, the, the, the. People we just talked about, the sole props, independent contractors, they should have no problem at all. Um, And there are other employers out there that may qualify. Generally, if you were able to maintain your workforce, you didn't have significant reductions, or even if you had some reductions in workforce, if you fall into some of those exceptions that people know about where effectively SBA and Treasury will cut you a little bit of a break if you had to cut your workforce for pandemic-related reasons. So easy application, uh, something I think people really want to be looking into when they get to the process of applying for loan forgiveness.
0: Yep, and then right and then the other point of that was and I guess this, this goes along with any borrower, is that they should be keeping the numbers that they provide on that form. They should be keeping the payroll documentation reporting and all that stuff that they've been given or they have in place for a certain period of time in case they do get questioned or audited. Correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, great point.
0: Yep. So, okay. So, so this question, you know, I think comes right out of the FAQs and I thought it was really interesting. Um, so I wanted to, to ask it and and get your thoughts. But so a borrower submitting a, a timely loan forgiveness application, does that borrower have to make payments on its loan prior to submitting or prior to this SBA remitting the forgiveness amount? What happens once they submit a timely loan forgiveness application?
1: Yeah, so the the short answer, and again, this is good news, is the borrower generally will be able to hold off uh, having to make any payments on the loan after it, it submits its loan forgiveness application. The rule as, and this was in the, the PPP Flexibility Act uh, that was passed a couple of months ago, and then again, this is just sort of being reaffirmed by the guidance out there. Um, as long If you're a borrower, as long as you get your loan forgiveness application in within 10 months of the completion of your covered period, and again, covered period, very important for the purposes of doing the forgiveness application, that's that period after you get your loan that's either eight or 24 weeks that you can you know, spend down your loan amounts and have it qualify for forgiveness. So if you can get your forgiveness application within 10 months of the completion of that covered period, You don't have to make any payments until the lender actually uh, is reimbursed the forgiveness amount by SBA. So the the way this is going to work in practice is you're the borrower, you submit your uh, forgiveness application to your lender. The lender will then pass that on to once the lender confirms that the application is uh, legitimate, they will pass that along to SBA and say, this person qualifies for loan forgiveness. Uh, we, the lender, need want to be reimbursed by SBA. SBA will then pay the lender. Obviously, if your entire loan is forgiven, at that point, the process is over. Uh, you don't know anything. The lender has been reimbursed. Everyone's happy. If it turns out that you didn't get 100% loan forgiveness, and so you still owe some amount on your loan, at that point, uh, the lender will reach out to you and tell you that you need to start paying uh, off your loan. But as a practical matter you don't have to pay anything until the lender actually hears back from sba um and then at that point the lender is responsible for
0: reaching out to you that is so important that is so i think important for our listeners to hear so once you submit your loan forgiveness application and if, if you have full forgiveness you know then you're then once the um the lender hears from the sba that that's been uh, confirmed you're good to go and if you do you expect to have a loan um that you'll be paying back, don't do anything until you hear from the lender because the lender is working it out with the SBA. So um is that 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 really is helpful? And then that's accurate, right? Malcolm, that's how to think about yep. it. Perfect. Yep, great summary. Beautiful, beautiful. So so that's great. Um, all right, so let's talk about um payroll costs. Um so this is probably a review, but they I guess it was important enough to mention um for them to mention, you know, back in the FAQs. But Payroll costs that's incurred during the covered period, right, but paid after the covered period. Is that eligible for loan forgiveness? The answer
1: is yes, provided that um, those actual costs are paid on or before the next regular payroll date after the covered period ends. So, for example, if you had a covered period that ended, um, say, October 1st, and then you end up uh, paying your employees on October 5th, for work that was performed prior to October 1st. The payroll for October 5th can still qualify as payroll costs and are potentially eligible for forgiveness. That's okay, even though you're paying them technically after the covered period has ended.
0: And now let's take it the other way. What happens if it's incurred before the covered period but paid during the covered period?
1: Yep, yeah, and those, the, the great news there is that it, those amounts are definitely um,
0: eligible for loan forgiveness because they're actually
1: paid out during
0: that covered period. Even though it's incurred, incurred before, and th- and that's the common exactly. theme I think here. So that goes. This this concept goes with payroll cost. I would assume it goes with if you're paying rent, right? If the rent mm-hmm. is paid during the cover period, but potentially is a period before, or you know, on the other way around, if it's after or before. So this concept goes amongst many costs that you're you're getting forgiven for, right?
1: Yep, yep, that's exactly right. It, it can apply to the non-payroll costs as well as long as you actually, if there are costs that are incurred during the covered period, but then paid on or before the next regular billing date. So in my example, where the covered period ends on October 1st, um, let's say on October 5th, you get your electricity bill for September, you can go ahead and pay that bill and still include it as, uh, as costs that are potentially eligible for forgiveness.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Really? Really? I mean, it's, it's glad it's, it's, you know, consistent throughout, you know, the whole process here, which is good. Okay. So, so some more concepts that they, that they, they had FAQs on. Calculating cash compensation. Are we using gross pay or net pay?
1: We are using gross pay. Um, So again, that's good news, right? We get to include more things, you know, payments that, uh, for example, if you're taking out deductions for taxes or employee benefits, health care, pension, that type of thing, you, you you still get to include that as uh, part of the cash compensation that may be eligible for forgiveness. So you want to use the gross amount, not
0: the net amount. Got it. Makes sense. I want to uh, uh, shift it over to owner's compensation. Okay. So can you just quickly give us the the maximum amounts you know for those, those entities of C-Corps, S-Corps, self-employed? Um, individuals, um, and general partners, w- w- what are the, the max there?
1: Yes. Yeah, so it will depend on what covered period you're using again. They don't they don't want you to go over. If you recall, um, for any particular individual, they don't want you claiming, uh, payroll costs in excess of 100. What works out to 100,000 dollars annually, but it's going to be prorated over the covered period the covered period is either eight weeks or 24 weeks. Um, so for borrowers, it, it gets complicated. The general cap is $20,833 per individual. Yeah. But if you got a loan before June 5th, which was the uh, the date the, the Payroll Protect, Protection Program Flexibility Act passed, and you elect to use an eight week covered period, then the cap is $15,385. Um, we got. We've been getting a lot of questions about claiming forgiveness amounts for owners, and I would strongly recommend, you know, folks out there who are interested in this, to um, consider looking at the FAQ because the rules are very specific depending on whether you're dealing with a, a C corp or an S corp or a self-employed individual or someone who's in a partnership. Um, the the FAQs are really helpful, I think, in that they sort of break down the rules for those different groups. But it gets uh, complicated in a hurry, so definitely worth taking a look at that.
0: And I think I think it's important to you know stress that they they put like a page and a half on this. So um, you know this is a a, a complex topic um, and one that we wanted to just discuss really briefly, but you know understand that. You know, depending on your entity type, you should, you should definitely review the FAQs themselves. Um, Okay. So, um, do do they apply to payroll costs? Or non payroll costs as well.
1: So the alternative uh, payroll covered period was this concept they came up with uh, essentially to make. Borrowers lives easier Um, the covered period is supposed to, you know, under the the statute and the initial rules is supposed to start on the day the loan was dispersed. Um, The concept of the alternative payroll covered period was that you could adjust it so that your covered period actually began as of the first date of your payroll period following when the loan was dispersed. So it'd make it a little bit easier to track payroll costs Um, with regard to your question about whether that applies to non payroll costs as well. The answer to that is no. So, if you are using that alternative payroll covered period where you effectively sort of align your covered period with whatever your payroll period is, when you're determining what non payroll costs are forgivable, you still have to just look at the covered period that begins on the date um, the PPP loan was actually dispersed
0: to you. yeah. so so it it really it it applies to payroll costs and, and that's because because the alternative payroll period was was created because of basically the pay cycles, right? So, that, yeah. so it's it's a targeted, you know, kind of approach there. So anything non payroll goes back to, um, you know, when it was incurred, and you know if you can include it in the in the cover period for forgiveness or not. So that's kind of how I I took that. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, regarding leases, okay, um, if if my lease if I had a lease and it renewed and I had and I had my lease basically before February fifteenth, twenty twenty been in existence for many years but it renews after February 15, 2020. okay does the fact that it renewed after 2020, even though I had it, does that still count for loan forgiveness?
1: The answer is yes it should still count. So uh, when they when they initiated the program what they said was uh, effectively rent payments on a lease for example, would be forgivable cost, provided that the lease actually was in existence prior to when the PPP program uh, came into law. So they used February 15th as the date. Obviously, what they didn't want folks doing was getting a PPP loan and then going out and getting a, a brand new, nice, expensive uh, lease on a piece of waterfront property that they didn't really need. What they're trying to clarify here, I think, is that if you had that lease that was in existence previously, And then you decide to renew that lease, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you, you negotiate more favorable terms. Maybe the lease is about to expire. You can still continue to uh, claim the payments on that lease as forgivable amounts. Got it.
0: Great. And then what I, what I, what we keep on getting this question, the question becomes, we've laid off employees during the covered period. We attempt to rehire them and they don't want to come back. Is my loan forgiveness reduced still?
1: Yeah, the answer to that is you may qualify for an exception. And this came in, again, under the uh, PPP Flexibility Act that was enacted in early June. What this exception provides is that you can exclude uh, certain full-time employees who may have been laid off. Uh, They won't necessarily count against your forgiveness amount. If you can uh, document the inability to rehire those people if they were your employees on February 15th, and you're able to document that you weren't able to hire similarly qualified individuals for those unfilled positions by the end of 2020. One thing the guidance makes clear here is that if you're gonna use that exception, however, you have an actual obligation to notify the uh, State Unemployment Office that the individual rejected your offer to come back to work within 30 days after they reject that offer. And they also want you to maintain records showing the written offer to rehire them, uh, the written record of rejection, if there is one. I know in, in certain circumstances, uh, former employees may not even bother to get back to you. And also you need to document the written record of your efforts to hire other people to fill that position. So keep that in mind. If you wanna use those exceptions, you really need to keep those records because your, your lender may be asking to see them when you submit your forgiveness application.
0: Yeah, sure. So, so the documentation part, you know, that the employer can maintain is probably the easier part. Do you actually have to, do you have to contact the state unemployment office um, right away? Or do you wait till a claim file is a claim is filed or that's probably unclear. According to
1: guidance, you're supposed to notify the state unemployment office within 30 days of when the employee rejects the offer. So you know that is interesting, there, and it's challenging, right? Because you're dealing with different unemployment offices in different states. It's not like there is a streamlined process for actually uh, getting this information to the state unemployment office. But presumably, if you, uh, at the very least, you want to sort of write a letter to the, to the the general address, so you've got that record.
0: Yeah. So, so that, that, I mean, that would be, that would make sense. That's basically what you have to do. Put a a letter, maybe certify and, and, and let it go. One final question. Um, for our listeners, where, where can they find the FAQs that were submitted by, uh, you know, on August 4th?
1: If you go to the Treasury website, which I assume is www.treasury.gov from memory, um, I'm sure (laughs) probably find it on Google pretty easily. Yeah. Um, there is, yeah i mean they've got sort of right up there a banner uh saying if you're interested in um the ppp or ppp guidance you know
0: just click here so it's pretty easy to to locate on the treasury website or or like you said google uh faq's ppp loan you know and i'm sure it'll pop up right there too um yeah malcolm thank you thank you thank you you are always welcome on this podcast i will tell you um, your, your, your expertise is amazing. And it, and it really, you know, it becomes more and more interesting every time we talk. So please be sure to check out more episodes of HR in 15 with Malcolm, more of our trusted experts. Um, you can save us on your favorite podcast app or just go to hrin15.com. Thank you so much for, for listening today. And we look forward to our next episode.
1: For questions or more information on today's topic, visit PrestigePEO.com.